I wasn't sure if I needed to adjust the mic, but I took a chance. <laughs> I'd like to just, if I could, because this is such a difficult passage, just spend a moment in quiet prayer. Um, and I'd just like to invite you to join me in that time to just ask for the Lord's guidance, blessing, and direction during this time. Amen. Thank you for that. I'd like to spend a moment and just play a game with you. And I'd like you to complete the phrase. Don't worry, it's not too complicated. Left or... Okay, you're catching on. North or... Inside or... You're either with me or... Plus or up or wrong or French or that's right. Press one for French or no, I'm kidding. Um, perfection or very good. Married or good guy or Old Testament or good or moral or black or there's a lot of either ors here aren't there and in our day-to-day -day life we tend to try and steer away from those we at least for myself i'm not too comfortable with either or decisions or statements and i'm sure you're probably a little uncomfortable with that as well i can't i won't speak for you but i know for myself i always enjoy a little bit of wiggle room a little bit of gray exceptions to the rule stepping out of that black and white and finding that space in the middle which is what makes jesus's black and white lessons so attention grabbing and convicting in just matthew alone we learn about the narrow gate and the wide gate the true, the true disciple and the false disciple, the wise builder and the foolish builder, the good seed and the bad seed, the good fish and the bad fish, and our story today about sheep and goats in Matthew 25 verses 31 to 46. Our passage is at the end of several chapters that happen following Palm Sunday. In these chapters, Jesus spoke out against false prophets and false messiahs about readiness, about the wasting of time and wasting of gifts, and of course the uncertainty of when, not if, but when, the Son of Man, Jesus, would return. And now we have this vivid description of Jesus' incredible return an image that includes a throne and angels and people gathered before him like a mixed flock of sheep and goats. Given Jesus himself is describing this and given he isn't saying it is like right from the beginning, we can trust that he is coming, he's going to be in a throne of judgment and that what he says is happening is going to happen. He says that all of the nations will be gathered before him, a sea of people 
if you can just imagine it. Some probably overwhelmed by the experience, some rejoicing, some confused what is going on, others probably in fear, others marveling or hanging on every word that is coming from the front, that is coming from the throne. And Jesus divides them. Now, John the Baptist had already told us before, before Jesus's baptism in particular, that the Messiah would divide people like wheat and chaff, another analogy that's used. And now Jesus himself repeats a similar message, but with a different visual. And instead of wheat and chaff, he refers to sheep and goats. Verse 33 says that all nations will be gathered before him. Now acknowledge there is a little bit of debate in terms of what the word nations means, it, because it can be translated a couple of different ways, such as peoples, nations, even Gentiles in some contexts. And it's easy to go down some rabbit, rabbit trails and dig and divide this up and, and come up with entire doctrines based on how that word is translated. But I want to avoid that. And I want to just take a step back and look at the entire scene. Because what we see here is a large group of people, probably countless, this whole flock-like group that's in front of the throne, all of whom know Jesus or know of Jesus in some way and all of whom are brought before him. And Jesus says that he intends to divide them like sheep and goats. Now it wasn't and isn't today uncommon to raise sheep and goats together. The way that they feed and the way that they graze are complementary. Sheep tend to focus on the grass, they tend to bend down and do that, whereas goats tend to nibble on leaves and branches and, and tree bark. But they're completely different animals. And you could not mistake one for the other. And so it is here, they're separated, sheep on the right, goats on the left. So let's just imagine this scene for a moment. A throne, angels, and Jesus turns and has this exchange with the sheep on the right. And he turns to them and says, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or need, needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he looks to the left. Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. So this is a heavy, confusing, scary passage in a lot of ways. One of the things we're, we're taught in church over and over again is that s salvation is about a profession of faith. So why does judgment look like this? Does it mean some form of performance Christianity? Or does it mean that we're judged by good things we do rather than a profession? And I, I don't think that's it. Now, I'll be honest, I haven't got this passage 100% nailed down. I'm still struggling with it. But there are some things that have come to me as over the past month or so I've been meditating and thinking about this passage. And I'd just like to share those thoughts with you to give you a sense of comfort and encouragement. First, Jesus divided this flock based on who they were. What we see are two very different animals, as we said earlier, sheep and goats. Their behavior, their diets, even the number of chromosomes they have are so different because of who they are at their core being. Behaviorally, sheep are by their very nature flock-like and communal. Goats are rebellious and fiercely individualistic. Sheep are gentle to the world around them. Goats, on the other hand, are rather destructive when left on their own in their normal environment. Similarly, those who do and do not follow Jesus are different people, are different creatures. The follower of Jesus is indwelled with the Holy Spirit and is a transformed person. As Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. They're a new creation. So here we're in a sense looking at old creation and new creation. They're divided not by the things that they did at the, at the beginning, but rather who they are and who they're defined by their very being. Second, we see Jesus present in some unexpected places. As it says in this passage, he is present with the hungry, the thirsty, the lonely, the poor, the sick, and the imprisoned. And I'd argue today you could add a lot more to that list. The widowed, the bullied, the single parent, the abused, the infertile, the elderly, the discriminated, the nationless, the depressed, and the list is nearly endless of those that need help, those that are calling for assistance. And it is here that the Lord makes his presence. The people of the Beatitudes are his people. 
and this is where we will find him. Thirdly, the sheep, those that served those in need, were genuinely surprised to learn of Jesus' presence here. To them, service was a calling, a natural thing, something completely natural for them to do, a byproduct of them being new creations. And little did they know that they were engaging in an act of pure worship in the process. And at the same time, there were the goats who were shocked for opposite reasons. They missed, completely missed, being in God's presence. They're quoted as saying, had we have known, they would have gone here or there, but not because of an inner calling, not because of a change in their nature and who they are, but for selfish reasons. I'm guessing they would have gladly served, but as an experience or as a display of performance worship, service not out of love, but out of a desire for attention and self-satisfaction. And here is the essence of the transformed life. Those considered sheep naturally followed their calling to selfless service. Those considered goats naturally followed their own calling for selfish service. One thing that both Susan and I have noticed during our two years at Emmaus here is how many follow these spirit promptings to serve those in need in some way or another, not out of a desire for attention or a spotlight, but because it's a genuine calling. What has surprised us is how normal this is for so many people here, not seeking attention or experience, but rather responding to a calling, either inexplicable or inexplicable. As Paul said in Galatians 5, to paraphrase, they're walking by the Spirit as one is living by the Spirit. And I know Emmaus is not unique. There are many other Christians in the Christian body acting in similar ways. But it's certainly something that we've seen and experienced, and we're very encouraged by it. So thank you all for that. In closing, it is surprising how this passage serves as both a warning and an encouragement at the same time. Those following an old self-centered nature not only face judgment, but completely lose the opportunity to experience God in the here and now. Those, however, that follow Jesus are new creations. Their embracing of Jesus and willingness to follow the Good Shepherd lead them to the most unlikely of places bringing them into contact with those in need, the hungry, the thirsty, the lonely, the poor, the sick, the imprisoned, the widowed, the bullied, the single parent, the abused, the infertile, the elderly, the discriminated, the nationless, and the depressed. And in being in these people's presence, they're brought directly into God's presence. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.